This is the Zach Asbury Show. Welcome. Today's podcast clip comes from an interview with Professor Sharon Rundle-Tealy from Social Marketing at Griffith University. I guess I suppose it's the same with like uh, research and, and idea creation. Like it takes a village to raise um, like a, a proper research thing. So collaboration is very, very important for what we do. And uh, I just thought, just wanted to get your views on collaboration, um, collaborations that have worked well for you. You don't obviously don't have to make mention names, ones that haven't, and what you've learnt from them in terms of whether it's uh, styles, the way that you work, and how compatible that is with someone else, or um, the way that you look at ideas. And yeah, just collaborations, whether you have any advice for people on that. Oh, look, I'm the first to say that I think we should work in teams. Mm. The broader the disciplinary background of the team that you create, the better the outcomes, assuming you can get past all your language, like jargon differences. Um, I've had very long-term sort of stable relationships across most of my people that I've worked with over time and realistically most of the reasons you pull apart are either ideological differences, you just are never going to agree, Mm -hmm. Or it's money and the resources that create the essentially what becomes a divorce. So yeah. jealousy or people feel like you've stolen an idea, a person or the money uh-huh. um, are the things that get in the way of very strong collegiate collaborative structures that can last a lifetime. Mm. Um, but the best work comes from shooting the breeze talking and it's through that 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 little light bulb click moment kicks in and you're just left going I can see the next path forward yeah Um, so I personally am a fan most of my work if you look at a big fat long CV now is in teams yeah it's literally being constructed with and through others and it's because of that that I've come to learn what I already know today um, with a whole long list of questions and things of what else I'd love to explore and that takes a team and people and someone who says well all right I'll go do that and off they go yeah um like I I agree with you as well I think working in teams has its benefits because you all come from different angles at it and um cross-disciplinary research is I think still really in its infancy um and I think part of the reason for that is I don't think universities have got proper whether it's support structures or reward systems for actually doing it. Um, our university, for example, is saying, you hear it all at the town hall meetings, it's like, yes, cross-disciplinary research, we need to do it, we need to do it, we need to do it. But those journals are not ranked as high and, and those projects aren't getting as much funding. So it's like the system's yet to catch up to, the, to their, their perceived um, or what they actually want to do. But, yeah, uh, so it, you mentioned that you find that if you find like a good team of people to work with that you've continued to work with yeah how did you originally go about finding those teams of people for perhaps a lot of early career researchers who are look my advice to anyone early career is the people you connect well with personally is probably a good key okay it indicates that might be someone you can actually get along with and work with Um, but the most important piece of advice I give out is give someone a go if they fail you if they fail to deliver on the promise then let them go. Okay. Have a think about who you work with that works with you and gives back to you. And if the answer is that you've found someone who kind of gets a lot from you, but you're not getting that same level of response, input or things back, 
I think you question the value of that partnership because it's failing to be a partnership. It's not, it's not a two-way street. It's a one-way street. Okay. Um, but have a go because have, taking the risk to give someone you don't know who's reached out to you a go could be the best collaboration you ever make. And it's not that we necessarily need to connect personally, um, but asking. Like, there are some wonderful collaborations I've actually formed because someone just comes up at the end of a presentation and says, I have an idea. And you go, okay, let's give it a go. And you run with it, and four years later, it's, like, led to amazing outcomes. Um, That, to me, is the power of stretching and taking that sort of, like, first leap of faith. And it's through taking a few leaps of faith that one day you watch all of those, I'm going to use the words that a, a beautiful professor used to give to me, the runs on the board just start to appear. All yeah. of these outcomes happen because suddenly you have colleagues and they've all shot five journal papers onto your desk in one day. And then you're suddenly left sitting there with a stack going, oh, wow, how am I going to get through all of this work? And you realise it suddenly just gets easier. Yeah. Okay, runs on the board, especially early on, really important. I think it's kind of cool that you mentioned, you know, you, you might have given a presentation, someone's like, you've sparked something off in their head and they've seen what you're doing but from a different angle and then that's led to something else. Um, would you say that going to conferences is one of the best ways to really do that? For me, I've always been a, a really passionate, strong promoter of conferencing and networking. Yeah. Um, it's, been, it's been part of my DNA. I reached out early partly because I'd left a centre where I had lots of colleagues around me all the time, but I would now tell anyone who's even in that structure, make a network still, get outside of that culture because you need the different ideas to help push and drive the agenda forward too. Um, What conferencing for me personally delivered were different tribes, people that become my examiners, Uh, people that give back in terms of friendly reviews, like I've got a grant or a paper or an idea and I can test it, someone who I can pick the phone up to and just ask who do they know. It's amazing what that does for you in terms of speed and capacity to move forward better because we're not meant to be standing there as lone sailors on an Mm -hmm. island. It's a collaborative, collegiate, and science was built on that sort of a model. Um, So to think that you can beat the system by sitting behind your computer inside your office producing yet another journal paper is letting you down because longer term, the bigger game is way beyond those. Those papers come because you've won in money and you've got staffing and you've got so much work going on that it's all just always happening. And I think that structure in our own training wasn't necessarily, and I say our training as social scientists, it wasn't always there. Scientists actually grew up in a lab and they were literally born into teams Mm. and those teams work collaboratively and collegiately and they all help each other. And that's just how they came to be. And social science is a bit different because it still has a culture of competing against each other and not sharing and not giving and it's holding us back. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it from that angle before, which is obviously why I interview people. (laughs) Yeah, it's really interesting. So I think... Yeah, I agree with you. So I interviewed uh, Scott Coslow. So he's very proficient in um, publishing in Journal of Advertising. Journal of Advertising Research is the only researcher who's, who is prolific in publishing in both because usually you're kind of um, pigeonholed, I suppose. And he's won, like, awards for reviews, giving reviews at, um, like, JAMS, for example, Journal of the Academy of Marketing Science. And I asked him, like, so what do you think made you such a good reviewer? 
And he touched on what you kind of said, which was, I have in my mind that the person submitting this paper, this is the first time anyone else besides them has ever seen it. Because often, or I don't know if you said often, but you will find, you know, whether it's early career researchers or professors, they're working by themselves alone on this paper and they have this idea and it hasn't been filtered, it hasn't been tested by anyone else. And he sees his role as to try to help that idea gain momentum and he gives them feedback to make the paper better, not to reject it or anything like that, but to make it better. And I think while his advice is very good for how we could be better reviewers ourselves, I think it touches back on what you were saying in terms of that's not the way we should be working. We, we need to be working in teams of people. We need to have our ideas scrutinised and we're going to get more out of it. We're going to get more outcomes for ourselves because there's a greater pool of resources to build from. Um, but our ideas and what we produce is going to be better as well. Um, yeah. So in terms of conferences... Hey guys, it's Zach Ainsbury here with just a couple of quick reminders. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, then make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. There are plenty more interviews to come with some of the world's leading marketing academics and practitioners. You do not want to miss these. In the meantime, if you're looking for another way to connect, then follow me on Twitter at Zach Ainsbury. That is Z-A-C-A-N-E-S-B-U-R-Y for my take on the marketing issues of the day.